What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, somebody I am super pumped to have on the show, Craig Ballantyne. If you do not know who Craig Ballantyne is, pause the show, Google him, check his workout, and just soak that up for a little bit before you come back and listen because he is the guru of the morning routine. He is the originator of the perfect day formula, which is what we're going to get into today. So Craig was a trainer who went into the online space very early. He actually jumped into the online fitness game in the 90s. So he was like a pioneer for the online fitness business model, I guess you could say. Um, He then jumped into more personal development stuff, started really dabbling in just how to become more successful through just mastering productivity and efficiency, I guess. Um, And he just crushed it. And he created the perfect day formula. He wrote books on it. He went and spoke on it. He's been coaching people on business and lifestyle and personal development for years now. He is literally the go-to guy if you want to learn how to become more productive, more successful, and just happier with your lifestyle in general. So I'm super pumped to have him on the show. You guys are going to learn a lot of this. You guys are going to have a lot of takeaways on how you can become more efficient, more productive, and just master every aspect of your day so you can become more successful. So you guys are going to get a lot out of this. I'm really excited to have him. Now, before we get into the show, I do need to announce we have a competition going on. My good friends over at Fat Grips are going to be donating a pair of Fat Grips to the best five-star rating and review you a, a day that we're going to be doing this. So it is February 14th, the day this airs, which is a day. So until next Wednesday, we are going to be looking for the best five-star rating and review. So what you need to do is go to iTunes, search the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, leave a five-star rating and review. And as you guys know, I like to laugh. I want to smile. I want to hear something memorable. So leave us a badass five-star rating and review. Give me something that I'm going to remember. I'm going to shout you out on the podcast next time, and we're going to ship you a free pair of Fat Grips. And if you don't know what Fat Grips are, they are the ultimate arm pump machine um, and really just the, the best way to build your grip strength. They are some rubber grips that you can slap onto a barbell. You can slap on dumbbells, kettlebells, um, pull-up bars, uh, the sled-dragging um, – straps I guess you could use them for you could literally pretty much put them on anything that has a handle or something you're going to grab and it's going to help you build your grip strength it's also going to help you create tension throughout your total body which is actually one of my favorite reasons for it is because a lot of people don't know how to create muscular tension when they're training well this ensures that you have no other option because you have to literally crush whatever you're holding in order to hold on to those things and of course if you're looking for bigger arms it creates a crazy pump which is why i love them so much no but i really do use them on a frequent basis i know a lot of strength coaches that do as well and i know a lot of athletes who swear by them as well so if you want a free pair of fat grips shipped directly to your mailbox All you need to do is leave us a five-star rating and review. We're going to do this competition for a week, and the best five-star rating and review will get shouted out next Wednesday on the podcast, and they will get a free pair of Fat Grips in the mail. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show with my man, Craig Ballantyne. Craig, welcome to the show, brother. I'm super excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here too, Cody. This is going to be so much fun. Perfect. So let's just dive right into how you started all of this. One thing that really interests me is you got into the online space, it seems like before a lot of people did, right when it kind of took off. So what made you decide to go and put all your eggs in that basket when it wasn't really a big thing yet? 
Man, that's a great question. And so I started in 1999 sending out an email newsletter through Hotmail, believe it or not. I mean, this is old, 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 old stuff, man. I mean, the internet was so slow back then. (laughs) And I was sending out an email through Hotmail to like 3,000 people, but you could only send it to 50 people at a time. So I was taking like an hour to manually send my email newsletter out. Oh, man, it's crazy days. And I didn't even know what I was doing online, but I knew that I wanted to read and write. And I got very – and get paid for it. Um, I love training people, but I really love giving out the information online. And so I got lucky in 2000. I sent one of my email newsletters to Lou Schuler, who was the fitness editor of Men's Health at the time. And he put me in the magazine, and then they just kept on giving me more and more work. That built the credibility that allowed me to go on and really establish a lot of – market presence in the fitness space. And like you said, there wasn't as much competition. So I was lucky. It was the timing. It was uh, the credibility for Men's Health Magazine. But it was also my persistence. I was going to make it work one way or another. And I did. And, you know, we sold turbulence training, my program, to hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. And just, man, it was just uh, such a great feeling to get those emails from people whose lives it had changed. Absolutely. I think writing is such a great way to just reach more people and express your your passion, right? How did you get into writing? Was that always something as a child, like English classes or anything like that? I would say that I, I, I didn't take any formal English classes after high school. I didn't do that in college. I got a master's degree in exercise physiology, but yeah, I do a lot of writing in your master's program as I put together that stuff. And and I, I'm just a nerd. I just love sitting in front of the computer and expressing myself. I'm also a bit of an introverted person, so I don't talk a lot. So but I also want to express a lot of opinions because I'm a very opinionated person. And so it became – writing became that way for me to do that. Now, I'm not as great of a writer as my friend John Romanello, but I'm very consistent and I pump out a lot of stuff. And I realized it's really about telling a story and teaching a message within the story. And that's the way that you can hook people and get them to take action on it and come back and read your stuff day after day after day. So. My entire business was based off writing up until about 2007 until I got into some YouTube video stuff. And, and you know then I started selling online follow-along videos, and now we do a lot of video in my other programs as well. Very cool. So what is a good tip you can give listeners who want to get into blogging or writing? Because that's actually how I built my business too was just a free blog, and it just kind of expanded over years, and it turned into what it is today. And I always get people to ask me, that, like, dude, how do I get into blogging? How do I start writing? How do I find my voice? Do you have any tips for people to go out there and get after it? Yeah, for sure. So I would do a little bit of practice writing and, and you know write some articles, get some feedback from some other people before you figure out, okay, and you've used this phrase a couple of times in our conversation already, is to put all your eggs in one basket. And so there's a friend of mine, a guy named Benjamin Hardy, who is very popular on medium.com. And he just started publishing articles on medium a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago at the most. And one of his very first posts Man, it, it was like eight things not to eight things to do before eight a.m. and it got three million views. And so it really comes down. You have to have that. Yeah, I know that attention getting headline. Thing is, he had no idea what he was doing back then. So those three million views didn't lead to anything. But he realized, oh, you have to get that attention getting headline. It's really helpful to have specifics in the headline. And then when he's publishing on Medium, what he says is to write big, epic, you know, two thousand, three thousand word pieces on medium i just read a piece on medium before our call here that man that thing must have been ten thousand words it was almost like it was half a book it wasn't by benjamin but it was by some other person who was writing to a specific audience so attention getting headline writing to a specific audience really showing your expertise and writing not just 500 word but 
2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 word articles on Medium and then having a call to action at the bottom to your free opt-in is a really great place to get started. I think you don't even need a blog. Yeah. So, but I'd also do blogging on your own blog as well. But Medium is a place for people to get eyeballs. Now, you're not going to go and replicate Benjamin's uh, success, but definitely that's a place to start. uh, One of the best places. Well, and it's free, right? So I think a lot of people don't even realize that you can literally – you don't have to have a blog to be able to go and write. And that's actually one of the first things I did because a mentor told me the same thing. And my first response was, why would I want to write for somebody else's site? Like, And I didn't put two and two together that it's just exposure, right? And it gives you an opportunity to just practice. Yeah, another really great place to write is on Facebook. So John Romanello, if people follow him, he writes pretty epic posts Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Not a lot of people do a lot of writing on Facebook, but he does, and it's a good place for him. I mean, obviously, everybody's going to have like 500 or 1,000 or maybe even 5,000 friends, and you can just start writing some articles that are going to be well-received by those people. And then if you have a fan page, you could do it there and just – I like to use the analogy of everybody's heard of like Chris Rock going into like some dungy comedy cellar in New York City and trying out material. Well, that's what you're doing. And I mean, I use the same mentality, like everything I I post on Twitter, I see what response is there and I go, okay, that got a good response. So now I can, it can grow to an Instagram post. Oh, it got a good response there. Okay. Well now I'm going to make a YouTube video of it. Okay. It got a good response there. Well now I can go and take it and write an article about it. Oh, good response there. Maybe I should expand it into a book or a program or something like that. But just look at everything that you do as a baby step, as trying out material, as a scientific experiment. And then you have to take a look at how the response was. And of course, there's going to be certain ways to do things on different mediums. But if you combine those best practices along with compelling messages that really catch people's attention, and you're willing to sit there and do the work and sit in front of the computer and write, you can turn. You can still, in this day and age, turn blogging into a career. Now, the, the last thing that I'll say there, Cody, is that you have to have the ability to sit there in front of a computer. And a lot of trainers, man, you, you know, you couldn't even, you, if you nailed them to a chair, you couldn't get them to sit in a chair for a long time, you know, and it's fine. That's okay because video is a whole nother avenue. It's a whole nother medium where you can also get massive exposure very quickly, or if you just want to do photos on Instagram. So listen, in this day and age, there's a way for everybody to succeed. When I started out, if you were a poor writer, I mean, video wasn't around in 2001 for like, it wasn't easily accessible for someone to dominate that space. So I I, I was very fortunate. The stars aligned for me. Yeah. And I think it's cool too, because you're basically pointing out that you can have one piece of content and you can expand that onto every platform. And I think I put out a lot of content. People are always asking me like how I'm able to do that and it's the same exact thing. I listen to what people are asking for and I listen to my clients and then I decide like this is something that everybody wants to know about. How can I make this into multiple pieces of content on my blog or podcast or whatever it may be? So I think that's golden advice. Yeah, absolutely. And so Brendan Burchard, who a lot of people will know about, what he does is he creates one – 30-minute or 60-minute piece of content every week, and then he's fortunate. He has a team that chops it up into YouTube videos and Instagram videos, transcribes it, makes it into articles. I mean you want to eventually get to the point, and you can do this actually pretty cheaply uh, using outsourced people in like the Philippines and stuff, and, and that's a whole other topic. But you can really leverage your content. So if you were the type of person who's so busy with a very successful gym – Go, go and make a 30-minute video and then build the systems in place where you have somebody transcribing that. 
You can go to rev.com and have that transcribed in two hours. Costs you like 60 bucks to get an hour long transcription. Um, and then you can go and maybe you can find somebody really cheap on like Upwork or uh, Odesk who can edit it and create some articles. And then you can have somebody else from those sites take the video and chop it into a YouTube video, chop it into a one minute Instagram video. And I mean, you're probably not looking at more than a couple hundred bucks a month. Well, maybe a couple hundred bucks a week in in somebody to do all that work for you. But if you're a successful gym owner, that's a good investment for you to start building your online space. So it's very simple to do it in this day and age of global economy, of global workers. It just takes a little bit of foundational work, but you can do it. Now, the other thing I'll say there um, is that you can also go and and take that content and put it into a podcast. So I actually, in, in a lot of cases, will write a transcript for a podcast. I'll write a really long article. Then I'll do a, a podcast just myself about it. Then there's audio clips that can be taken there. There's articles that can be taken from that transcript. And therefore, again, we're leveraging as much as possible. You want to use every part of the pig, as I like to say, and Pedro Schoolian loves it when I say that. But every time you do something, it shouldn't be a one and done. It should be a one and 100 uses of it. Love that, dude. I think that's golden. And um, it's funny. I'm actually working on that exact same thing. I just brought somebody on the team to do that. And he actually opened my eyes to more ways that I can use my content by doing what you said. Like, hey, let's take a piece of this and put it on YouTube. And then we can take that and change it to this. And I was like, dude, this is perfect. So 100% agree. But let's get back into a little bit of your story. How did you go from training to all in on personal development? Well, first of all, I had to go from training to all in on the online business. And I did that 20 minutes at a time at 4.30 in the morning when I was about 25 years old as a trainer in downtown Toronto. You know, I was training clients at 6 in the morning. So, I, But I still wanted to have this online business and make it really successful. So I would get up at about 4.30. I'd work from 4.30 till 10 to 5. Then I'd get ready, take the bus downtown Toronto from the west end of Toronto, train my clients. I'd work in what uh, this author um, – uh, Margaret, uh, there's an author in Canada who used this phrase, and I really loved it. It's the slivers of time because this woman who said that line, and I want to give her credit, um, she, she she just won the Pulitzer Prize for um, literature a couple years ago. And she said this because she was a single mom with two kids, and she worked in the slivers of time. And so in between my sessions, I would write articles for my website. While standing on the subway on the way home on my BlackBerry, I would, you know, in a crowded subway car, I would write articles and programs. I was never wasting a minute. And through about two years of doing that, I was able to build my online stuff up until six figures. And then I was able to stop being a personal trainer. And then when I stopped being a personal trainer. I ended up working too much and partying too much. And I had anxiety attacks. And then from those anxiety attacks, I was like, oh man, something's got to change here. So I put more structure in my day and started building the, you know, really going deep in the personal development stuff. And then I started coaching other people how to start online businesses. I had my first business seminar in 2007, got my mastermind going in 2008, and I realized I love coaching these people, so I want to go deeper in personal development again and help them build more structure in their lives. And I did coaching for years and years and years, and eventually that coaching program became the Perfect Day Formula, and the Perfect Day Formula became uh, the Perfect Life Workshops and the business mentoring program that I have right now. So all of that was a long journey, a great journey, Oh, and I also have my Perfect Life Retreat big event every November in San Diego, which uh, you know our friend Luca was at, and, and 250 people were there. And I'm just changing people's lives in a different way. But it all comes back to one word, and that's efficiency. 
My workouts were efficient back in 2001, and my programs and my systems are all about helping people get more out of their time so they can have more time for their personal lives. Well, I think that's what everybody wants, right, is time. But I want to jump back to the anxiety thing, if you don't mind. How did for you, sure, man. How, how did you overcome that? I, I think that I always try to talk about because I've had a similar experience with just worrying about the future, and that's kind of what anxiety is about. Um, and I never know how to word how I personally get over it, but you said something that I heard on another podcast, and it was something um, – it wasn't uh, Socrates. It was uh, Epictus. Epictetus. Yeah, so there was this line that you said, and it completely – Blew my mind because like that is perfect. And I actually posted about it the other day, and I'm gonna is let that you the say, control what you can, cope with what you can't, and, con- and concentrate on what counts. Yes, that's it. I didn't want to butcher it, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my that's my that's the foundation of my entire book, the Perfect Day Formula. And so I bought this book several years ago. Uh, I'll get back to the anxiety in a second, but I bought this book a couple years, well, many many years ago now, and I've read it probably a dozen times. It's called The Art of Living. It's by a woman named Sharon LaBelle, and it's a translation of Epictetus' teachings because he never actually wrote anything down, but one of his students um, uh, transcribed everything, and he has a big book called Discourses. But then she translated that into this easy-to-read you know, little 100-page book, and I tell people just – I buy probably about 20 to 30 copies for friends every year. I just bought one for Luca the other day, and I tell people to read a page a day because it's almost like a horoscope. It shows up at the right time, and one morning the section was about – Uh, dealing with the externals, which is the things you can't control in the world, because all you can really control are are what you think, what you say, and what you do, your actions. And the the quote from the book, or my interpretation of it was, control what you can, cope with what you can't control, and concentrate on what counts. And and as soon as I read that, I actually felt like the weight of the world off my shoulders. And this was actually years after I had overcome the anxiety, but it still really helped. And then I built my Perfect Day Formula book around that. Control the morning, cope with what you can't, which is the chaos of the afternoon by planning ahead for it, and do all of that so you concentrate on what counts at night, which is your family, your hobbies, your health, etc. So that's one of the things that I used to overcome it. But the anxiety attacks back in 2006, when I was making that transition from trainer to full-time online – they were my fault. I deserved to have them because I was, um, I'm always a type A wound up person, but I was partying too much and I was also, um, working too much. And so all of this stuff combined led to me just having this anxiety and it was so bad. It felt like I was having a heart attack for 24 hours a day. I could only sleep from about 11 PM till 3 AM and I'd get up and I tingling from the top of my head down to the end of my fingertips tight chest, elevated heart rate, couldn't breathe. It was like, you know, drinking five monster energy drinks. Actually, I drank seven uh, Red Bulls the night before my first anxiety attack. So that was one of the contributing factors. And so I went to the emergency room twice saying I was having a heart attack. And man, that smartened me up. And so I ended up going and basically turning over every rock I could. And I did yoga, meditation, Qigong, Tai Chi, all these things. I didn't like any of them. Cody, but the thing is, they helped me learn how to breathe properly, learning how to breathe properly, uh, calm me down. And then doing all those things for a six week period helped calm me down. And then when I finally went to the emergency room the twice, uh, for the second time, the doctors did a whole bunch of tests and they basically told me there was nothing physically wrong with me. And as soon as I knew there was nothing physically wrong with me, I think the hypochondriac in me kind of laid low and I realized, okay, it's all just something I can control here. And that was like the beginning of the end for the anxiety. I realized, okay, 
just get the structure in place, live better lifestyle, you know, practice what you preach, stop being a hypocrite with, you know, being good six days a week and then partying really hard one day a week. I got my life together. I was 30 years old. It was about time. And all of that, Cody, allowed me to overcome the anxiety. So anybody that's listening, learn how to breathe properly. Make sure you get checked out medically. So make sure there is nothing physically wrong with you. And when you do that, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. You just got to get out of your head. Stop, stop worrying about the future. Stop thinking about, or start thinking about other people and how you can help them. And the more you help others, the better off you're going to be. So my next question was, how did you create this concept of the perfect day formula? But it sounds like this thing that you read and, and you said it was living well was the book. The, uh, the art of living, the art of living. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. check that out. So essentially that's what kind of led you on to creating this for yourself. Um, did you just tweak and tweak and start living this? And then eventually you were like, I'm going to teach this to people. Cause it's, just yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I started in 2007. I remember there was a morning I woke up, it was seven 30 in the morning. I rolled over and I started checking my email on my phone and you know, seven 30 in the morning for a person with my chronological structure and, and my uh, love of early mornings was already too late. So even if I didn't check my email and go down the rabbit hole that email sends you down, I was already anxious because I felt like I was getting up too late and then, you know, checking the email made things worse. So then from there I started experimenting with things. I started getting up five minutes earlier until I found what I call my magic time, my magic hour. I started uh, pushing my email back by five minutes. So there was this huge spread. And as soon as I got this spread up to like four or five hours, I was able to get so much done. And then a whole bunch of my coaching clients who were coming to me for sales and marketing started asking me about productivity as well. And I started teaching them on that and doing a lot of uh, one-on-one phone coaching. And then I realized I couldn't do this forever because it was kind of taking up a lot of my time. So I wanted to get the book out there. And the book is truly my life's work uh, so far. I've got some more life's work to come, but it truly is a compendium of everything that I've learned from studying historical figures, everybody from like Beethoven and Charles Dickens, Charles Darwin, going back in time that far to people that are really successful today, like Elon Musk and you know Richard Branson and all these people, even Oprah and hundreds and hundreds of celebrities. I always see how their morning routines work and I'm just fascinated by it. And that's what I really teach people now. And and the last thing I'll say about this is it's not about the hour that you get up. You don't have to get up at 5 a.m. You don't have to get up at 4 a.m. You don't have to get up at 6 a.m. It's not about the hour you get up. It's about what you do with the hours that you are up. And so I've had friends who are night owls use my system and become very successful. So that's really what matters. So what was something that you noticed and put together between all these people that had in common with their morning routines? Because I would agree, like I think a lot of successful people – Usually it is in the morning versus night, but I understand what you mean because I do have some clients that I've tried to help and they're like, I can't, I have to be at work at five and I'm like, okay, I get it. You got to do something. But what have you put together that all these people had in common with their morning routines? Like, Well, like- it, it, yeah, it's a great question. And so what's really common is that they, they know what their focus is and they're not getting up and kind of like, oh, okay, I should make my to-do list now uh, and then I'll, you know, I'll go in and start, you know, doing hours of self-care stuff. You know, the articles that say the 14 things successful people do before breakfast, they make me laugh because if you add all those things up, it would take about four and a half hours for somebody to do the 14 things before breakfast. And it's ridiculous because if you break it down, each successful person tends to do a little bit of self-reflection, maybe a little bit of yoga or spiritual devotion or something, but then they tend to get right to work. They get right to the thing that matters. And even if they 
uh, you know, wake up at six and do family time and then go to work and start work at eight or nine, they get right to the number one thing. And so, you know, there's an old, old quote that goes back to Mark Twain, which is, if you have to eat a frog, best thing to do is eat it first thing in the morning. And if you have to eat two frogs, the best thing to do is eat the biggest frog first. And what he means is you get up, you go and you do your number one priority task for the day. It's the hardest thing. You don't want to do it. But what most unsuccessful people do, they're reactive. They get up, they check their email, their Facebook, their social media, all that stuff, because they know there's that looming thing they have to do. And so like, how can I perversely procrastinate and avoid that thing. And the next thing you know, those people who didn't attack their number one priority, it's five o'clock and they have to go home and they didn't get anything done and they push it off another day. And so that that's the difference between successful people. Successful people are proactive. They plan the night before. They plan very specifically the night before. And we can talk about that in a bit. And then they go and attack that thing first thing in the morning. Whereas Struggling people are unsuccessful and they're reactive and it's because they don't plan. They wake up and they are reacting to emails, you know, stimulus from other things. They're, they're hitting the snooze button. They're getting caught in traffic. They're getting to work and then dealing with other people's emergencies. And they've never put any time towards their big project or their big problem or their big opportunity in life. And that's why they're being held back. So I think two things that you said were probably two of the biggest game changers for my productivity and that was every night before I go to bed, I have a piece of paper that I write out everything I need to do the next day in order um, mm-hmm. and then not checking notifications or emails first thing in the morning and that was like one that I would always wake up, roll out of bed and you would look at whoever's on Instagram or emailing you and then all of a sudden I feel like my day is consumed and controlled by that. Those two things changed everything for me. Is that something that you preach in your formula? Oh yeah, totally. And so people who are, you know, really addicted to their phones, we're going to actually go to a nutrition expert for help on this. So the nutrition expert's name is Brian Wansink and everybody's probably heard of his mindless eating books. And, you know, he's the guy who does all these weird experiments where it's like, you know, if you, uh, you, you have a, a soup bowl on, on a table and you can fill the soup bowl from underneath and you sit there and you let a person eat as much soup. If they use a big spoon, then they eat more soup. And all this stuff. So he does all these crazy experiments. And what he found was if you have candy in a bowl at a desk and it's, you know, right there, people are going to eat it. You know, if you're walking by it, you're always going to grab a handful. I did that today to a handful of chocolates that were sitting around. But if they weren't there, you would eat fewer of them. If they were put in a cupboard, you would eat even fewer of them. If they were, they were put in a jar that you couldn't see into, you'd eat fewer of them. And if you put them up on a high shelf, you're hardly going to eat any at all because it's really hard to get to them. Now, same with our phones. When you have your phone in the morning, first of all, you shouldn't use your phone as your alarm. Second of all, you shouldn't keep your phone in your bedroom. Third, your phone should be off. Fourth, your phone should be in airplane mode. So even when you turn it on, it's in airplane mode. And so by the time you get to this, you'll have you've been able to slap your hand away from the phone because you've had to go out of your room to get it. You've had to turn it on and you've had to switch from airplane mode. And by this time, like your brain says, you know what, you did this so that you won't you won't check your Instagram. So put it down and go to work. And so it's the same sort of thing. The harder you make it to access your social media, the better, the easier it's going to be for you to stick to your good routines. It's just like we tell our clients, oh, you eat a bag of chips every night? Well, why don't you not have bags of chips in the house? And you know, if you can stop having bags of chips in the house, guess what? You're not going to get up out of your chair at 8.30 at night and drive down to the store to get a bag of chips. You'll eat something else that's better for you or you won't eat anything at all. So 
yeah, you have to go to extremes in some cases, but that's what you need to do when you're breaking an addiction, which most people are, because Facebook has even said we we purposely purposefully made Facebook addictive. You know, people that used to work at Facebook are going out there and saying this now at seminar at conferences that yeah, we built these social medias to be addictive, and I'm really uh, kind of ashamed and sorry about it. They're not giving their money back that they made, but they're they're right. saying that they're ashamed and sorry for making it addictive. And so that's what you have to do to break the cycle. I think it I mean it's it's one of those things that is extremely simple, it's just not very easy. But one thing that like rings a bell to me is and this is what I preach to people about nutrition and training is accountability, right? Like it's a simple process. Oh, yeah, totally. Eat the good food, but accountability. So how do you implement accountability with coaching and how important is that? Because I know a lot of people who always ask me is like, man, you're a coach. Why do you have so many coaches in your life? And I'm like, well, I have a coach that does my nutrition. I have a mentor that helps me with development and business. And I've always found that that extra accountability helps so much. Oh, yeah. Accountability is the secret sauce because, listen, I could give you all the advice in the world. Like the best advice in the world is available actually on YouTube for free. And yet why why is everyone not successful? I mean it's available in the libraries for free. And why were people not successful back in the day? And it's because – you can have all the advice in the world, but if you don't take action on it, then it's almost like you don't have that advice in, in the first place. It's like the same with fitness. I mean everybody knows what to do, but they just don't have a coach that's holding them accountable, and that's why we have jobs as trainers. So listen, you absolutely have to have accountability because professional accountability is one of what I call the five pillars of success, and it's going to give you two things that nobody else can be able to give you. First of all, expert advice. Your coach is going to give you expert advice that you're not going to get from anybody else. And second of all, they're going to hold your feet to the fire when you screw up because your friends are just going to say, yeah, you know what? Tomorrow you're going to do better. You're okay. Come on. Let's go out and have a drink or something. But your coach is going to sit you down for accountability and say, listen, you said you were going to do X last week and you didn't. So why didn't you do it? And how can you make sure that you do it going forward? That's accountability. That's the power of it. And, you know, saying to somebody like, hey, Cody, I'm going to do this by next week. I don't want to show up and, and like look you in the eye and say, hey, man, I didn't do it because I don't want to let you down. And that is another key aspect of accountability. You have to be accountable to somebody that you deeply do not want to disappoint. Let me say that again. You want to be accountable to somebody that you deeply do not want to disappoint. So for me, I was accountable to Bedros Koulian, one of my best friends, coach, mentor, business partner. Um, he was, he's, he helps me with sales. He helps me become a better person and I do not want to ever let him down. And that's why I've gone and changed so many of my personal habits because he is my accountability partner and I don't ever want him to give me the stink eye and say, man, you disappointed me. That's the worst feeling in the world. So that long answer there, but that's why accountability is so important. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. And I've actually never heard anybody actually talk about that last point you made. And I think that's very true. Like looking back at mentors I've had, the most successful mentor relationships I've had are all people that I was really fired up about to text and like like just tell them about a new win I had or a big victory or anything just because they actually cared. And I think that says a lot. Yeah, totally. Because you, you can be accountable to somebody that you don't give a crap about and you're not going to do anything. And I've had that situation before. Um, you know, you might have accountability to a friend, but you're like, there's no consequence. There's no consequence. Like if you say, ah, yeah, no, I was going to read that book in the book club, but yeah, I didn't do it. I really don't care. And I really don't care what you think. <laughs> Obviously you're not going to read any books if that's the case. But if someone comes to you, Cody and says, listen, 
you know, I want to change for this reason. I want to lose the weight for this reason. I want you to be my coach. And you know what? I've, I've been following your articles for a long time and I have so much respect for you. Um, and you know, I'm going to pay you obviously. And, and now that person does not want to disappoint you is invested in the game, has skin in the game, and they're going to do what they say they want to do because they have a meaningful reason for doing it. So that is so key. Are you a healthy and active individual? Do you practice proper nutrition? Are you exercising on a regular basis? Do you care about your life and your family? Would you like to save money? Well, if you fall into any of those categories or answered yes to any of those questions, you should go check out Health IQ. No, but seriously, guys. Health IQ is a badass life insurance policy. It's actually the fastest and largest growing life insurance policy in the entire country. And the reason being is simple. They take real data, they take real science, and they take into account all the things that you are currently doing on a regular basis, like bodybuilding, marathon running, jogging, paleo dieting, vegan dieting, counting your macros, tracking your steps on a Fitbit, like all these things that you guys are doing out there to make sure that you're healthy and fit apply to your life insurance. They help you save money. They help you get a better discount. And you can go see what that discount could be by going to healthiq.com slash boom boom and just getting a free quote today. Like it's free. So you can at least see what it costs and how much they can help save, which is going to be a lot. I can guarantee you that. And that's why they're the largest growing. And and I've seen the type of money they save, help people save and the life insurance quality um, that they can help provide you with. So if you are a healthy and fit individual, which I assume you are because you're listening to the show, go to healthiq.com slash boom boom. See what a free quote could show you today. And also, once you go to healthiq.com slash boom boom, take the health IQ quiz. I want to know what your guys' score is. Like I mentioned before, I am going to be dropping my score within about a week on the podcast. And anybody who can prove to me with a screenshot of their score that they beat me is going to win something free from me truly. So I promise you guys that you probably are not going to beat me because let's be honest, I'm the healthiest guy on the planet. And I'm going to smash that quiz. So if you can beat me, you're going to win something. So everybody, go to healthiq.com slash boom boom. Get a free quote, take the quiz, take a screenshot of the quiz, send it to info at boomboomperformance.com and we'll see if you can beat me. And if you do, you'll win something free. Now, let's get back to the show with Craig. Love that, dude. So let's let's backtrack a little bit. You said something about the five pillars, I believe it was, five pillars of success. Um, can you go in depth with each pillar for me and like kind of explain that? Because I actually haven't heard anything about that yet. Yeah, so the five pillars of success are a big part of my book, the, the middle part of the book where I talk about transformation. And I discovered these five pillars of success from my weight loss transformation clients. So when I ran Turbulence Training, we did 30 transformation contests. We did three a year for 10 years. I gave away over $150,000 of my own money. And you know, a transformation contest, you do before and after photo, but we also required a 300-word essay. And people would tell me, you know, here's why I changed, here's what kept me going, you know, all this stuff. And after I read like a few hundred entries, I realized, oh my goodness, the people who won these contests weren't the people doing it for my money. They weren't the people who were, you know, professional bodybuilders. They weren't the people who had done this before in most cases. They were people who had five things in place. And these five things allow you to change anything in your life. They, they actually helped me overcome anxiety 
even though I didn't realize it until a couple years after because I didn't discover these until 2008. But they go like this. Better planning and preparation than ever before. Professional accountability, which we've talked about. Positive social support. Meaningful incentive. And the big deadline. And I'm happy to break them down and give some examples on how to use them in any area of life. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So better planning and preparation than ever before. Not just planning, but better planning and preparation than ever before. So say, for example, that somebody wakes up on New Year's Day and says, I want to lose 20 pounds this year. Great. They've kind of set a goal, but they don't have a plan. And there's no real deadline in there. So what are the odds of them having success? Very little. But if they, if they wake up and say, okay, I'm going to go to Fit Body Boot Camp four times a week. I'm going to follow this nutrition program from Jason Phillips uh, 90% of the time, and I'm going to drink three liters of water per day, and I'm going to sleep eight hours per night. Well, you're going to have a pretty darn good chance of hitting your goals really soon because you have better planning and preparation than you've probably ever done in your life. And if you want to write a book, you need to have a really great outline. If you want to start a podcast, you have to have a really good plan. And so that is, and you know, the, the writing that we talked about before, we gave you a pretty good plan for figuring out how to go from scratch to getting lots of followers by using that plan that we discussed. So better planning and preparation than ever before allows you to achieve any goal in your life. Even if you want to find the love of your life, better planning and preparation than ever before. First of all, figure out what the heck do I want this girl or guy to look like and be like, where am I going to find them? Um, who can I go and talk to about helping me find them? That's better planning and preparation than just saying, ah, you know, I'm just going to go to the grocery store or go to the, the bar and you know, try and bump into somebody. That's not going to work, but planning will. Now, the second thing is professional accountability, and it has to be professional accountability because professional accountability is your coach in your life, your mentor, the person who is going to give you expert advice and hold you accountable and not let you away with any excuses because that's totally different than pillar number three, which is positive social support. So these are your cheerleaders in life. So imagine using a marathon or a powerlifting event as an example here. You're going to go and get a coach who's going to give you the training program and they're going to hold you accountable. But the positive social support are the cheerleaders, the people on the side of the road as you run the marathon or the people in the crowd as you do the powerlifting event. They're going to cheer you on, but they're not going to give you expert advice. But they need to be there to lift you up. And so, you know, if somebody out there is listening and, is, and runs boot camps, that is an incredibly powerful, positive social support system. You know, Mrs. Jones comes in, wants to lose 20 pounds. Well, everybody in the room probably is in the same boat. And if they're all positive and lifting one another up, that's another reason they're going to come back and stick to the program. And they see somebody else getting results like I'm going to try a little bit harder. So positive social support is so powerful. And that was the third pillar. And when I was running my transformation contest, that was actually done through a weight loss forum a membership site. And that is just as effective as real world social support. So if you live in the boonies and you say, oh, my goodness, you know, how am I going to grow my business when I'm not around positive people? Well, just go and join a Facebook group um, where there's positive gym owners in there who want to grow their business. And that will work just as well as real world social support. Fourth thing is a meaningful incentive. And it used to be I thought that any old incentive would do. So I thought, hey, I'm giving you money. Everyone will go through to the end. But man, this is almost embarrassing to admit. But 80% of the people who joined my transformation contests online would drop out. They wouldn't even last two weeks. And I was scratching my head for so long until I started reading the essays. And I realized the people who joined, they might have joined because of my money, 
But then they said, you know what, when going got tough, the only thing that kept me through to the end was I was doing this for my kids. I wanted to have more energy for my kids. I wanted to lose weight for my spouse. I wanted to have you know, better health so I'd be around in 30 years to watch my kids get married or, or in 20 years to see them graduate college. That was a meaningful incentive. And so whatever it is you want to change, whether you want to you know, improve your community's health, whether you want to grow your business, whether you want to write a book, there has to be a meaningful reason from your heart, not just from your pocketbook, that is going to make you change. And then finally, the fifth pillar is the big deadline. And this one is the most important of them all because without the deadline, we're not actually going to do anything. And so we need to have the deadline to get us over the initial inertia. So we all have initial inertia to getting started. Like if somebody's never started a blog, they're like, yeah, I'll start it tomorrow. Uh, and then the day after that or the day after that, uh, because it's scary to go and write. But if, if you say to your accountability partner, I'm going to write 20 blog posts in the next 20 days, well, you better get going. So the deadline kicks us into action. It also keeps us going. So what I noticed was people in my 12-week contest, man, they were hitting the wall after about six weeks. But if they'd made it that far, the deadline was this incentive to keep going. They're like, no, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I'm halfway through. I can't quit now. And so the deadline was very powerful that way as well. And then finally, the third way that it was powerful was as we got closer and closer to the deadline, people started, you know, tightening up the diet, training harder because it's like going into a show or a competition. You know that all the sacrifice is going to, you know, it's going to come off a little bit because once you hit that deadline, you can take your after photos and then you can kind of reward yourself. So that finish line, we run a little bit faster, even though we're dog tired at the end of a 10K or something. We run a little bit faster as the finish line is there because we know it's going to all be over soon. So those five pillars, better planning and preparation than ever before, positive uh, professional accountability, positive social support, a meaningful incentive, and the big deadline. Man, you can change anything in your life. Lose weight, make money, find the love of your life, find the home of your dreams, whatever you want. Write the book of your dreams that will change your life. You can do it with the five pillars. I hope people were taking notes because that literally breaks down every single aspect. And if, if you just lay out those things, like there's there's no way you won't get there. You just need to fill the spot. So one thing I want to come back to is number four. What about people yeah. who just can't find – because I'm big on purpose, right? I believe I've always had a, a really strong purpose that keeps me driving. But I know for me, once I found out me and my fiance were having a baby – then it was like, oh, now I know my purpose and everything excelled in my life because I had so much more drive to do so. Uh, but some people obviously aren't going to go have a kid just to have some purpose. But what do you what like how do you help people find that why or that that incentive to really drive and have motive if they are struggling to see what that really is? Oh, it's a great question. So first of all, we, we start with that 30,000 foot view of, you know, what are your values in life? And so I, I, when I do my workshops and coaching with people, I always say to them, hey, we got to figure out what are your most important values for your family, your health, your wealth, and the experiences you want to have. And then once I get a picture of like, okay, this is, this is what drives you, but you don't realize it yet, I'm starting to see some patterns here. Okay, now let's talk about your vision. Where do you want to be in a couple years from now? How do you want your business to look? How do you want your days to look? How do you want your family to look? What experiences do you want to have? Okay. Now it's very clear that you're family oriented or, you know, you're really experience oriented or you're, you know, you're social justice oriented. And now the big why becomes a lot clearer. So it's a lot of introspection and self-reflection, which is something that a lot of people haven't done a lot of these days. 
But eventually I narrow them down that they're either in a season of family, which is what you're in. You're in a season of family that's lighting a fire under your butt to go out and take action. Or you're in a season of wealth building because maybe you need to go and, you know, maybe you're like if you go back a couple of years, you're probably in a season of wealth building, Cody, because you had, you know, you're going to get married. You need to have, buy that house. You know that eventually you're going to have a couple of kids. And so you need to build up that nest egg. You might be in a season of health. That's where our clients are. A lot of our clients come to us after having spent decades in a season of wealth building and a season of family where they didn't take care of themselves because they were out there taking care of the family and, and earning money for the family. And now they're 55 years old, pre-diabetic, and they're like, man, health is my number one priority right now. i got to get myself together. And so that's their overriding value, and that's their why. And then finally, experiences and personal development um, you know, it's generally for people that are a little bit older, like my mom's in this season of life right now, personal development, personal enrichment. Financially, she's well off. Uh, Health wise, she's doing great for, you know, 75 and, you know, kids are out of the house. So therefore she can give back. And so, you know, every day she wakes up and her big why is to help in the community with the charity and volunteer work that she does. And so she goes right to work on that first thing in the morning organizing people and getting make, making sure the supplies are there. So we just figure out what season of life you're in based on that introspection and self-reflection about your values and your vision. And then it's very clear for me to just move you along. I like to call myself the chess master. I just move people along the chessboard in the game of life and I get them from where they are now to where they need to be to be super successful um, and way more successful and way less stressed. Well, I think that's one of the powerful things about a coach, right? Because a lot of people have a tough time almost interviewing themselves to find that stuff out, whereas you can be the chess master and kind of guide me through the questions to get to where I need to be to fully understand it. Um, I love the way you break that up into family and wealth, but I'm assuming there's an importance of everything, right? And this is something I've always talked about a lot too is like, you know, you have your mindset, you have your body physically, you have your relationships, you have your finances, how do you make sure that people are – even if they are in a season, they are still handling everything because as we know, if one pillar falls, the building kind of crumbles? Yeah, it's a great question. And my mentor and I were just talking about this the other week. Uh, this guy I bought my business early to rise from. This guy's name is Mark Ford. He's a – I don't know if he has a $100 million net worth, but he's definitely over 50. Um, and he was reflecting and he was saying, you know what, I might have been too aggressive in building my wealth when I was younger. I almost lost my family. And he was kind of like a 100% in on wealth and, well, maybe like 95% in on wealth and 1% in everything else. And if he looks back, he goes, you know what, I still would have focused my efforts on wealth building because it allowed me to do so much other stuff. But I probably would have gone with a 70%, 10%, 10%, 10% approach. And so – you know, like if somebody really wants to build their fitness facility up to like 300 members, probably can't put a bodybuilding competition or, or CrossFit competition in the same quarter. You know, you just can't do both at a high, high level. So, yeah, you're going to keep yourself healthy and you're going to train because you, we want to relieve stress. But you got to be able to say like listen, here's my number one priority. It's going to get the majority of my time, my effort, my magic hour. It's going to get that. It's going to get the best of me. And everything else, I can do a great job of, but it's not going to be my focus. And so when it comes down to making a decision, the decisions are always easily made because you know what is your North Star. So you have to have your North Star and then move ahead on that. That kind of reminds me of the book, The One Thing. I don't know if you've ever read that, but 
he definitely yeah, totally. lays that down. And that was something big for me too. And, and like going off of what you just said, it's actually funny because not funny, but growing up, my dad went through that exact same thing that he said he almost did. Like I saw my dad have a lot of success, but it did have some issues with family and it caused some issues along the way. And that's always been my drive to discover all of this stuff. How do I have everything intact and everything moving forward without sacrificing anything? Because I don't want to put my family through that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And now what I would say there is that you have to go back and first of all, figure out what really matters and where do I really want to be? Because a lot, you know, we're so influenced by, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuk's and, and, you know, the Lewis Howes and, you know, the Bedros Koulians and, you know, all the uh, very famous and rich people. And you can get really caught up in thinking, oh, well, I got to go and, you know, I got to have this podcast with, you know, 10,000 downloads per episode. And I got to, you know, have this, you know, multiple uh, locations in my gym. And, and it's like, well, you're doing those things because you think, well, not, not even you think, you see other people doing them and therefore you think you should be doing them too. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really align with your values. What you really want is you want to raise three kids and you want to, you know, you're, you're going to be happy with 150 grand uh, per year as your income because in your town, that's great. And you just want to spend time. You want to raise great kids. So listen, you can't be all about opening multiple locations because it's going to hurt what really matters to you. Now, on the other hand, you're going to have some guy who's really hard driven. He's like, no, dude, I got to have 10 gyms. I'm only going to have one kid. I'm not going to have multiple kids because I want to have my, a good, strong family, but I don't want to have, you know, three kids where I have to go to, you know, three different soccer practices because you know what? I want to help 10,000 people in my community with my 10 gyms. Okay, that's fine. Let's just be honest from the start so that we don't get dishonest with our activities as we go along because when you're not aligned, when you're not aligning your actions and your goals, that's where that stress bubbles up and we end up having a lot of comparison syndrome and it leads to a lot of anxiety in us. But if you're clear and honest with what you want to do, then it's very easy for me as a coach to build that straight line to success and keep you off the detours in life. That's why it's so important to find that why too because then it, it – like you said before, it gives you your north star so you actually know the direction you're going in. Um, what I would love to do if we can is kind of like onboard me. How do you get somebody started in figuring out their perfect day formula? Great question. And so – when somebody comes to, comes to one of my business mentoring programs, what we do is we actually send them homework in advance. And so I have them do a couple of things. And one of them is a time journal. And a time journal is basically like a food journal. We all are very familiar with food journals, but time journal is similar. So, you know, for two days, I have, have people, my clients, write down what they're doing and how they're feeling in like 20 or 30, inc 30 minute increments over the course of the day. So I see where they're at right now. And you can see there's a lot of parallels to being a personal trainer here yeah. because the next thing I do is as I ask them to tell me, okay, what's your perfect day look like? Okay, what would, what would be like if everything went right, what would it look like? And then they tell me and now I can go, okay, here's where you are and here's where you want to be. And then I'm also going to ask you like, hey, what, do you, what are the three major things you want to accomplish in the next 12 months? And uh, then break that down into the obstacles that are stopping you from getting there. And now we've gone through the third exercise in my homework. So I get a, a really good idea of, okay, this is where you want to get to. And then I have people build out their five uh, rules for their life based on this template that I have. Everyone should have a rule for their health, their wealth building, um, their social self, uh, their, their habits for what time they get up and go to bed. And so now I'm like, okay, here are the boundaries that they're giving me. They're basically telling – it's almost like when you – if you, a client does a food journal and then they say, um, but I'm also not willing to ever eat these things and I'm allergic to these things. 
Well, now you can build their custom meal plan because you know where they want to get to, you know where they are, and you know what they will and will not do. And it's the same with building your perfect day, your perfect life, your perfect business, what you're doing now, where you want to get to, and what you want to accomplish, and what you're, you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And then it's so easy for me because I've done this hundreds of times with people who have a $100,000 business, and I have one guy who has a $750 million business, and everybody in between, moms with three kids, dads with five kids, you name it, I've helped them, and it's so simple once I get that homework, and then we just go through the rest of that introspection over the course of the day, and we customize all of my systems to that. So one thing I've heard is, uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's something along the lines of like how you live today is how you live your life. Is this kind of how you? How you do anything is how you do everything. There you is go. another way of saying it. Yeah, absolutely. So is this kind of how you approach it and how you look at it? Because if you can reconstruct, help me reconstruct my day to be quote unquote perfect, then it's just about consistency and accountability of doing that nonstop. I think one of the biggest things actually. And, and actually, I actually forgot this from the homework is the fifth uh, piece of homework is a not to do list. And this is one of the most important things in success and area of life is figuring out what you should stop doing. Because, you know, take a look. We'll use a, another weight loss example. You can have somebody who's eating right five days a week, but then on the weekend, they'll gain a pound because they, they every single meal they eat was a cheat meal. But you can't have a cheat weekend. You know, that's not going to work. And so backing that out, it's not forcing them to do more of the good things. It's figuring out how to get them to not do the bad things. It's the same with an alcoholic. You can keep him out of a bar for six and a half days a week. But if he goes into a bar, that ruins everything. So it's about the not to do. So with a successful entrepreneur, I start looking at what are the things that you're doing that if we had you stop doing, you would become so much more successful because everything else would become easier. And so it's about figuring out their social media stuff, their, their use of time that way, their email, how they're communicating with their team members, what's causing them stress at home, and you know even their nutrition and their exercise habits and their sleep habits and where they lack self-confidence. And then we just figure out, okay, you're going to stop doing this. You're going to stop you know, responding with emotion here. You're going to start responding as a, as a good leader. And we just eliminate the negatives. And that just makes the positives accentuate. And, and you know, most, most of the times, I like to use this analogy that a lot of my clients are like indie race cars stuck in the mud. And they're written there, but they're stuck in the mud right beside the track. But they're spinning their wheels and they're spinning their wheels and they're revving their engines. That all I do as the coach is I come along and I remove the barriers to success. I pick up that Indy race car, I put it on the track, and the next thing you know, they're going 210 miles an hour down the speedway because I eliminated barriers to success. And that's what a good coach does, whether they're in the gym or whether they're in mentoring with me. I love that, dude. And and, and I think it can be simple things that you remove too that can make big differences. Like one thing I've done lately that I didn't even realize I was doing this, but I turned off all notifications on social media. So I have to physically open the app before I get them. So they're not just vibrating or looking up. And I can't tell you how much time I've saved because I'm not getting sucked into my phone or looking at who's liking what I, I can post and exit out and then be done with it. Um, so that's helped me a ton. One thing I want to do before right. we, uh, before we sign off is if you could, what is like one big tip that you can give all the listeners that you think is like a foundation across the board for anybody who wants to be a successful entrepreneur? Like what is the one thing you would leave these people with? Oh, you absolutely positively have to get a coach. And I tell people this all the time and I'm embarrassed to say this, 
that I was too cheap. I was too stubborn. I was too much of a know-it-all. I, I could have hired a coach in 2003. I had more than enough money to do it, but I waited until 2006. And when I hired my first coach in three months, my online results went up like a hockey stick. I mean, he just, he made me more money in three days than I had made in the last uh, year almost. And having this coach in place, because the coach has been there and done that, they share, share your morals and ethics, and they know exactly what is right for you, and they stop you from doing the wrong things. Because most people, what I found when I was coaching with online people is they'd spend $10,000 building a website and creating a product that nobody ever wanted. Well, a coach could have saved you all that time and, and got you on the right path before you went down and did all that bad stuff uh, and got off on the wrong track. So a coach will save you time, money, energy, grief, headache, anxiety. Coach, I mean, Kobe Bryant had a coach until he was done. Usain Bolt had a coach until he was done. You know, all, all these pro athletes have coaches, but entrepreneurs are too good for coaches. No, we're not. Coach is the first thing you need to get. I love that, dude. That's such a great answer. And, and I know I've been in the position where it's almost scary because you know you have to invest a lot of money and you're gonna like you're gonna take this risk with somebody. And then again, for me, every time I've done that, it's just it's only doubled or tripled, if not quadrupled. Um, so I 100% agree. So I'm glad you said that. One thing, uh, I yeah, always... totally. And you know, it's just people just need to ask for referrals. But that's where you go. You go like, hey, you know, hey, I, I see you're successful. Who's your coach? And then you know, you go and you check their references, and and that's how. I mean, it's just like getting a plumber. Yeah, and that's how, I mean that's how you network, that's how you connect, that's how you grow, and that's how you learn more too. I mean, shit, that's how I'm on this podcast with you. I reached out to my coach and mentor, and he was like, "Dude, you need to have Craig on your podcast." And I was like, "I 100% agree." So it, it goes a long way, and I'm learning so much just because of that. So awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, just never stop learning, never stop getting coaches. I mean, I I spend over fifty grand a year on coaches. Love it. So one thing I always leave every single podcast with is a personality question. I'm actually super interested to hear your answer because you're a really interesting guy and I think you're going to have a good one here. So you're in Toronto, so this is going to be a shorter flight, but let's just – from me to Japan is 13 hours, so let's just keep it at that. You have a 13-hour flight ahead of you. You're in the middle row and you have two empty seats right next to you. They can be filled with any person on the planet alive or dead, but they cannot be your friends or family. Who is sitting next to you on this flight? Okay, uh, alive or dead, but they have to be real. Yep. Oh no, they could be anybody. It just can't be friends or family. Okay, uh, I would definitely go with Elon Musk. That guy is insane. Uh, I mean, he would just entertain me forever. And then I would add Gwyneth Paltrow on the other side because she is also insane. But but she is insane in a good way. I mean, I don't think anybody has. The th- has thicker skin than Gwyneth Paltrow, and she's built an amazing business uh, called Goop.com. And so between the two of them, they would entertain me because I think they are both fascinating people. I would learn so much, and that would be a heck of a plane ride. Now, obviously, we would be on a private plane because, and maybe maybe we'd be even on SpaceX or whatever uh, <laughs> M- uh, Musk has. So maybe it'd be a 13-hour ride to Mars is what it'd be on. I love it, dude. That's a great answer. That's actually the second week in a row somebody has uh, said Elon Musk, so it's obviously a, a popular topic. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I seriously appreciate it. Real quick, where can everybody find all of your information? Because you got books, you got a lot of stuff. Just give everything a shout out real quick. Yeah, everybody go and get my book at freeperfectdaybook.com. Just pay shipping and handling for that. We'll get you a hard copy version of my book. 
Uh, you can email me, Craig at godfather.com. I love the email. I'm an old school guy. And then also direct message me on Instagram at real Craig Ballantyne. Okay, real quick, I got to ask because I, I, I wondered this. I should ask this of Dean. Where did the Godfather come from? You know, my business partner used to buy and sell domain names, and he would buy and sell like literally 7,000 domain names a week. And he had this software set up where anytime a domain name expired, it would automatically buy it. Wow. And the thing is, there used to be, yeah, there used to be a law back, well, there used to be no law back in the day that, that said if, if you don't sell it, you can return it in seven days and get all your money back. But then the government changed that law. So he had this software running all the time and he would keep his eye out for any interesting domain names. And somehow he ended up with godfather.com and he doesn't use it for anything but his email. <laughs> I love it, dude. That is so badass. When I saw that, I was like, Craig at Godfather. I was like, that's pretty cool. Well, man, thank you so it much. Is. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, I know the people are going to learn a lot from this. Yeah, I look forward to hearing from everybody. So, you know, don't be shy. Connect with me and let me know how I can help. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show with Craig Valentine. I know I did. There was a ton of notes. I had to listen back to it two times already just so I could keep critiquing my morning routine, which is exactly what I suggest you guys do. Um, I do truly appreciate you guys all for being here, and I do have one quick announcement. The announcement is I am dropping my first training program for purchase and download on Monday next week. So you guys are the first to hear it. I haven't announced this very much at all except my private newsletter. So if you guys want first access and a discounted price on my program, you need to get into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum, which is, uh, there's a link for that in the show notes in the description of this podcast. So you can click that and I will accept you into that. Once the training program is live and for purchase, the group will no longer be free access. So this is really the time to jump in that group. Um, and it's also the time to jump in that group because you're going to get first access at a discounted price on my program. So it's a this program is for anybody who wants to build muscle, build strength, move better, burn body fat. It can be used on a cut, on a bulk, whatever you want. It is a well put together program. It's called Functional Muscle and it's exactly that. It allows you to build muscle or burn body fat, whatever your primary goal is at the time while doing it in a functional manner. You're going to have way more fun with it. You're going to have access to an accountability um, source for you to make sure that you're constantly pushing. There is a breakdown of what and why across the board of everything I designed that program for. So you know exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it and how you're going to do it. There's also videos to help demonstrate. Everything is included in this book. It's badass. I'm super pumped for it to launch on Monday. But if you want first access to it, you need to jump into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. So what you can do is scroll down, click the link in the show notes, go over to Facebook and I will accept you in. You will have first grabs at it. Now, I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for being here.